So it has been a while since it we have done this. It has been a while. It's been actually almost exactly a month. Is it exactly a month? Uh, the, the upload for the last STS was the 16th of May. So I'm just checking for no reason Absolutely, right now. I already okay. checked. This is why I pulled it up earlier. Um, May 16th was our mm -hmm. last uh, STS up upload. And um, so this is our first STS since a whole month. A whole month has gone by and we haven't talked to you, the lovely viewers of STS. Um, but a lot has happened in the last month. It has, and yet we still had to have a pre-show ramble to figure out what we were going to talk about. And I think we came up with something. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we definitely came up with something. Um, I think we should just hit it from the top. Okay. Um, top being the most recent thing? or the No, the bottom. <laughs> okay. We're going to go to the bottom. Uh, so the bottom of the month, isn't it? It was the top of the month. Which one? Right, leave a comment below. Which one is the top? Which one's the bottom? Okay. Uh, we were in Vista, California, also known as San Diego suburbs. It's pretty much yeah. No one, no one corrected me when I when I said stay classy, San Diego. So yeah, I think everybody laughed, and by everybody, I mean like the four people who have yeah. seen that movie. Yeah, you and Dylan. That was about it. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what happened in San Diego or Vista? So, <laughs> so we, we were in Vista for an SPL2 qualifier, American, the, not the final American qualifier. We got one more. We got one more coming up July, oh God, 21st to 23rd. You got it. Yeah, maybe we should plug this first too. Yeah, if you want to try to qualify for SPL2, you can try to compete in the USPK national event, which is going to be held in uh, Denver at uh, Apex Movement. And this is, it's from July 21st to the 23rd, with the 21st being an on-site qualifier for the national. So in order to qualify for the national, there's two ways. You can qualify through uh, regional circuits that have happened around uh, USA. Um, and through the regional circuits, you can win to get qualified into the national. And then you move on to uh, uh, basically day two of the national automatically. Or you can try to compete in day one of the national, which is an on-site qualify for it. And uh, that just means you're going to be competing for three days straight. Um, but if you didn't have the opportunity to compete in the regionals that allowed you to uh, qualify to the national, you can do it on-site in Denver. And then the winners of the USPK National will be invited to SPL2 for a truly international competition. Truly. Truly. But before we got to that again, we had our final like a regular qualifier, I guess we will call it, because the, the USPK National, as you Laid out there very very nicely, by the way. I Thank I you. am uh, I feel like I hit record here, and why when I said that we hadn't done this in a while is because I felt unprepared to start talking. I'm super prepared. All right, <laughs> I'm glad one of us is. Um, so so uh, yes, Vista uh, qualifier was at Tempest, their uh, North County location. Beautiful gym, uh, lots of cool things in there. It's the one with the airplane. 
which we were able to use <laughs> quite uh, frequently throughout the, the competition. Uh, I actually was, was really happy with how the like speed courses turned out because we did have one that kind of started at the back of the airplane. We used it as part of an ascent and then athletes came running down it and then into like the main parkour section. Uh, it was a challenge when we first got there, like looking at, okay, there's a spring floor in the middle of this gym, so we have to figure out, you know, how to work around it. But uh, I think I think we did. I think we managed to. Yeah, I think overall it was great. It was a great event. There was, um, I, th I thought the skill challenges were really cool. Uh, like the gym was actually it, really fun to train on. Like we actually had a, an opportunity to train a little bit. Um, and uh, it was actually fun also designing uh, skill challenges and uh, speed courses. It's, it's a smaller parkour section, but there's a lot packed in it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, really enjoyed uh, the competition. We had some awesome athletes come out for it, mm -hmm. including a few J Japanese athletes came over for this event, and all three of them qualified. Um, that's pretty epic. Smart, smart investment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then... One thing that, that happened, and this is kind of a theme throughout our travels over the last month, is uh, the realization that how young everyone is who's like high-level athletes now. Like it was like, I'm going to say kid. Kid after kid <laughs> after kid. We're like, we're asking, we're realizing like, oh, these are like the favorites to win. Mm -hmm. Skill, for instance. Mm -hmm. And it's like 19, 19, 19. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah pretty, uh, pretty crazy to see how the younger, how the sport has started to skew younger um, over, the, over the last little while. And this is a prediction of yours a long time ago, mm. um, back in North American parkour championship days where you were saying that there was going to be uh, like the people on the podium were not going to be, well, not older folk, but like yeah. not going to be like mid to late twenties. They're more likely going to be closer to teenagers. Yeah. I, I think actually that is going to take a while to be true, particularly in skill. Um, de depending on how, Parkour dictates the design of challenges. I was about to say how we design them, but but we do get heavily influenced by what is is seen as culturally like popular. So currently, and and it it just it just looks better on on film. And I think we maybe have talked about this on on the show before, but how things do need to be of scale, and and one of the things that is going to be required. If, if a lot of uh, challenges are, are big scale is a big person to perform them. And so I, I just think about like last year's lineup of our, like our podium finishers for, for like men's skill. Those are some big dudes. And some of them have got bigger in the last. <laughs> so, okay. So when you say big. Actually, you I don't say all of them got bigger. When you say big, you don't necessarily mean tall. You mean like. Both thick boys, both or, um, or gals, both. Yeah. Um, so okay, so but but here's the thing: this this podium mm -hmm. that happened in uh, at Tempest North County mm -hmm. were two 19 year olds and a 20 year old. I think I don't. I'm not sure how old Ari is, but he's like he's pretty mm -hmm. young. So it's that's 
that's a pretty, like, we already saw it yeah. there. I mean, it's not SPL2, so mm -hmm. we don't know how they're going to perform there. Yeah. But I think to be, so the prediction I'm making right now is I think in order to, again, unless we change the way we set up challenges, if challenges remain scaled, particularly in moves like catbacks, lashes, um, if there's like standing jump components, uh, I, I do think there's a level of like physical maturity that needs to occur in the realm of strength in order to be be the best, but it also has to be matched with technical proficiency. And like Ari's really good, and he has like the physical maturity, definitely has the physical maturity. Uh, but he he actually hasn't been doing parkour for as long no, as he's, Xander or he's Brandon. He's actually very new. But yeah, like but even Brandon hasn't been doing parkour that mm -hmm. long, and he took a huge break in between doing track and basketball. Mm -hmm. So like also we're doing something that I that I just need to stop us for a yeah. moment here because we're doing something that I've been trying not to do, particularly in these types of shows, which is just going first name for athletes. Come on, you don't know so, Brandon. So we got Ari Ari Delfer, who is an athlete that. Um, is he, he lives of, in Bellingham, yeah. Washington. Yeah, um, just dude that came out of nowhere. He's actually from the same place mm -hmm. that Nate Weston is from, mm -hmm. Vashon Island. <laughs> and so that means that's so interesting. That only beasts come from <laughs> Vashon Island because uh, I don't know of any other parkour people that come from there. So anyway, um, but that's near Seattle. Mm -hmm. uh, so Ari Dolfer, mm -hmm. um, Xander Levitt, who's from the Bay Area. Um, if you watch his Instagram, he mostly does flips. Now he does, yeah. But he he uh, he came up training under under Daryl Stingley, so you know he does. That is that is why he's you know podiuming and things like skill, and not even competing in style. Even though most yeah. of his his training, I would say, is like style based. Yeah, or, or probably, at least what he posts on Instagram. He probably, en he probably enjoys it a little mm -hmm. bit more, but he's just he's. He's quite physically capable and technically proficient in skill as well. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Brandon Hooper, um, and he is from the Boston area, so Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. uh, came up out of Hub, and uh, he's kind of he's one of the prodigies out of that facility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we done saying names now? I think we're done saying names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We can continue on with it. Uh, I, I do want to, is there anything else you want to say about um, that podium? Because we could spend a lot of time talking about it, but we do have some other things yeah, we I mean, get on Brand, to. Yeah, I mean, Brandon and Xander were so close. Like, like I don't know. It, it yeah, it was a cool competition that hopefully we'll get footage out uh, from in a, in a timely fashion. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, they were, they were so close uh, to, to each other. Um, we haven't seen that before. We haven't seen... That because they both of them completed all all the challenges in the competition, and so it came down to who did it faster. Yeah, Xander edged him, mm -hmm. even though he's a flippy boy. Um, <laughs> cool. So I think we're done talking about men's skill there. Yeah. Uh, but on the on I guess the topic of age too. So we have uh, naming a guy who. Uh, Podiumed and won, got first place in both skill and style, and she is 16, 17 years old. Yep. Uh, which which of the two? I One. Said, I said yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Still a teenager. Uh, and then uh, there was also oh, name is escaping me. Um, 
uh, there was a, a young lady that that won speed. Um, to, oh it, my goodness! I know. Uh, Washburn was the last name. Yeah. Is it Kate? Catherine, yeah, Catherine. I I went on her Instagram. She's awesome. Yes, she's super good. I think she's out of Texas. Um, She flew out for the event and with her with her mom. And oh, this is not helpful. (laughs) Uh, Katerina, right there. Says it on there. What? Am I blind? I'm blind. Oh, okay. I, there we go. Yeah. So right now, I am blind. Sorry. Yeah. We know this already, though. I need glasses. So. <laughs> Great. So she was awesome. Yeah. And she's definitely a teenager. Uh, I don't know how old. Mm. Um, and then... Uh, and then for... We have men's speed and men's style. So so speed, Joe Unruh. Yeah. Got the top spot, and he's definitely an adult. Former competitor at... Uh, I guess it was NAP or mm-hmm. OPP 2019. Uh, he was in the main event. Uh, he competed in speed. Yeah. He did some stuff that nobody else did in the speed there's courses. A jump, there's a jump that's like right outside the door here that no one's touched. He's the only, he, he's the only one that's done it. <laughs> and he did it in the middle of a speed course. And I don't think he practiced it. Oh, really? I mean, he yeah. might have. I, 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 I'm just going to live in the world that that's true because it's gonna, more impressive. It's, more, it's cooler if I say it that way. Like, you didn't practice it, and he did a jump that nobody's done and, no, and nobody will do. Um, yeah, we're right? blocking we're, it. Because we're blocking it, so it's not going to be possible <laughs> anymore. So, uh, yeah, that's the end of that. But he also, like, when, when uh, we had the bars set up, mm-hmm. he did the, like, side strides off of the wood plank instead of the other side with the bars. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Yes. Yeah. Super impressive guy. And uh, he showed up for the Tempest Qualifier. Mm-hmm. Super fast. Um, he's kind of a smaller guy, so he's got, like, this really, like, quick, like, squirrel kind of moves. Mm-hmm. I also want to say... He's another guy that got bigger. Like he's he's a little more swole than he was in 2019. He's trained harder, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hunt, Hunter Payton, pretty mm. pretty close in time, I think. And how old is Hunter? Because Hunter looks quite young. I don't know how old Hunter is. Uh, he does look young though. Probably 19. My, my money's on 19. Okay. And Hunter Hunter's also super quick. Uh, a little bit less refined skill wise but attacks the course, and so mm-hmm. he's still able to, to uh, do really well. Yeah. One, so I'm, really, one, I'm interested to see how he, how he does like, over the course of the next few years because mm-hmm. I think he's going to start getting more skilled in parkour and eventually going to be able to, to do some really great things at speed. Yeah, and this, this is one topic that, that came out of that performance and that competition, and it's something that often I think gets touched on in parkour is, is speed parkour. And I think what we're starting to see with athletes like Hunter and maybe even like Tongi from uh, Sweden. Nope. Nope. Help me. Try again. No, I'm not going to try again. Come on, just name all of them. No, I'm not going to name all of them. (laughs) He's from the Netherlands. Netherlands, thank you. Um, Also known as Holland. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Athletes athletes like those, because they're not typically, I mean, Tongi is probably not actually the best example, but um, Hunter Payton definitely is where he's moving through a course and it's scrappy and you're not seeing a lot of what, what we would, I think should refer to as like classic parkour skill. 
So we think of as like classic techniques performed. It's, and there's a lot of extra steps and a lot of extra touches, but he's just moving so quickly. And then there's actually, there's techniques that come out of the, his, his practice of the course that aren't like what I would say traditional techniques. And I, and I don't even have names for them because they're not like the classic techniques. And I actually think this is going to be a, a development in, in park where we actually, where we actually start valuing and shining light on things that start to happen in speed courses, which is really cool to me because that's kind of what the purpose of speed courses is, is, is it's like putting parkour in its like the idea of what it was supposed to be that the fastest A to B, like what's the fastest way to get past this structure? What's the fastest, fastest way to get past this obstacle? And through our competitions, we, we keep it open so you can go over, under, you know, things aren't, things aren't off limits. And I think what's what's going to start to happen with athletes like Hunter Payton is they're going to start doing stuff that looks weird. And I think it's very easy to like hate on for like the classic practitioner right now. And we're going to start valuing it because they're going to be just like creating creating moves, essentially, that or just like little little changes in techniques or 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 things that maybe don't look as cool, but are like way faster. I, so I think what needs to be said here is that both Joe and Hunter, and I'll mention as well Brett, mm-hmm. um, Brett Vance, who just narrowly missed the podium, mm. um, but all three of them are on um, the Tempest Chase Tag team, and so, and they were all they're all super fast, and they all um, have this really scrappy style mm-hmm. that's like you said, non-traditional. And so it's interesting to see that there is this crossover between World Chase Tag and Speed Parkour um, where you can, you can be fast while not necessarily being traditional. And so it's cool that, that cha- both Chase Tag and Speed Courses have this element to them that is... Um, it's a true... How do how we say this? It's a true like laboratory where it's not just like the theoretical like is step vault faster or is speed vault faster or is a Kong faster or is a dash vault faster? It's like no 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 you it's it's an, it's really putting them to the test and and maybe none of those are actually the faster way. Maybe like mm-hmm. a weird duck is actually faster mm-hmm. or whatever it is, right? So um, I love the idea of there being this process of uh, experimentation and and really truly finding out which is the best way, um, which is actually potentially different for individuals, right? Mm-hmm. So like there might be an objective best way, but somebody could perform something that they do just a little bit faster than something that somebody else does mm-hmm. the best way. Um, so yeah, very, very interesting to see that. And uh, I think it's really cool to see the the world chase tag guys coming in and and trying to compete and speed and actually doing very very well yeah so i think we do have to move on to our next event um there's still probably much more to say about what happened uh what happened in, what happened in vista but uh we got tacos the, we did get ta- got a lot of fast food there that was the end of it okay what was the first thing that we did in New York? 
Ooh, what did, oh my god. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say. I'm going to say. All right, go ahead. We got Chick-fil-A and pizza. That was the first thing we did in New York. Yeah. So the significance of this, if you don't know, is that Chick-fil-A doesn't exist in Canada, so it's a novelty mm -hmm. whenever we go to the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, even though we had it while we were in Vista the week before, we still did it when we got to New York. And then immediately after that, we also got pizza because we're in New York. Um, and then... And then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we got into... Okay, New York is a crazy place. <laughs> I don't know if you haven't been to New York City. It's such a wild place to me. Uh, mm. I've been there many times. Um, and it's still, every time I go there, it's fascinating to me. Mm. Um, my favorite things are the bodegas on every single corner. <laughs> and you can get somebody to make you a sandwich. What kind of sandwich? I don't know. You tell them what you want and then they make it for you. <laughs> I, I think there's only one place in the world that I would put in this category that I haven't been to, uh, which is like, I don't know, I'd have to look up like what's the most populated place in India is what I'm referring to, but I've been to Hong Kong, I've been to London, I've been to New York. Mm -hmm. And to my knowledge, those are the most like densely packed with people places outside of I mean, Tokyo, I'm sure mm, is, I mean, yeah, I, I haven't been to, I, 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 New York is the only like really yeah. massive city, city I've ever been to. You've been to London. Uh, yes, but, I have been yeah. to London. You're right. Yeah. All right. But so it, those is are different. The only it is different though. Like, and I think I, I agree with what you're saying with like New York being a more to experience maybe than the, the other places mentioned. Um, I get similar vibes, but yeah, New York does have like just a lot of unique New York things about unique it. Unique New York. Things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's another such as it's another, it's another Anchorman reference in one episode. Yeah. <laughs> See if we can fit another one. Um, <laughs> sorry, bodegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah more about bodegas. <laughs> Oh, I love a good sandwich. If you know me, I'm a big sandwich guy, so. Yeah, if, if Tom is ever coming to your city, uh, the appropriate thing to do, if you, if you want to make friends with Tom, is, is recommend him a place to get a good sandwich. Don't show him how good you are at parkour. Don't get him into Don't like care. a dive roll challenge or anything. Just, just get this man a good sandwich and he will uh, be loyal to you for forever. Well. <laughs> I don't know. I stab you in the back for a good sandwich. <laughs> um, okay, so sandwiches happen in New York, but mm. also what we were there for? Move NYC. Move NYC. Mm. Um, okay, so the Movement Creative is an organization that operates out of New York City. They host this jam and movement festival, mm -hmm. I guess we could call it called Move NYC, and the last few years it's actually been held on top of a school, a high school, or I guess it's technically on top of several high schools. Is it more than one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like the, the two floors below the roof, I mm -hmm. think, are belong to New Design High School, mm -hmm. and then there's like another high school under that, and then another. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's I thought it was crazy. all New Design. Okay. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a big building right next to a parkour spot too and mm -hmm. then so on top of it is a 
uh, I guess it's like basketball courts, kind of like a multi-purpose like activity place for kids to go and like do physical activities. Phys- I'm, I'm sure like they Kid do. Stuff. I'm sure they do <clears throat> PE classes up there and stuff. But they uh, they actually do pop up little parkour parks there, and I think they teach the students like mm-hmm. in the weeks leading up to Move NYC, and then they build out this massive setup with different like. Um, stages, I guess you can call them, of parkour equipment. Mm-hmm. And then the event has coaches and they're running workshops. Um, and then there's a big jam set up that is only for jamming. So uh, you can you can train on that. You can come just for the jam. You can go take some workshops and jam. You can just do the workshops. You could also eat food and hang out and do challenges and stuff like that. So it's a really cool event. Um, what, what were your thoughts on it? Did you enjoy? Yeah, I, I was so. It was your first year, right? It was my first year. Um, yeah, just really uh, grateful to be to be invited out, and I was just so impressed by the the setup because because we do you know a big event, and there, there's just different things. There's just what I think I just part of why I was impressed is I just rolled up and saw that they were, you know, during the, the setup phase and everything, and then roll up again during the opening. And two of the things that really stuck out to me was the, the sheer number of people, uh, like volunteers and staff involved. Um, it appeared to me to be like 30 people-ish, that's the number I'm gonna throw out there. Uh, and then all the stuff that they had to take up through the building, build, set up, and and, and then the various uh, different setups and uh, builds that the Movement Creative have, have got just like very proficient at. Um, and we spent some time talking to like, our, uh, the only person I really got to talk about it much with was, was Steve Zavitz and he was just, you know, showing me different examples of the ways that they're able to pack and set up uh, pop-up parkour setups. And it was, it was really cool because that is something that we don't actually do very well um, with with origins and something I'd like to get into more is is being able to do parkour setups, but it's because we have a great gym and we <laughs> don't really have to. Uh, but occasionally we go yeah. to schools, and I'm usually kind of like, like we just went to some schools, and I'm usually kind of almost embarrassed by like what we end up bringing because we don't have we don't have much to bring, and it always just kind of feels like it's being improvised. Um, every time we get a uh, call to go to a school. I still think we do a good job overall. It's just, it would be more impressive if we had the setups that Movement Creative has. But the thing mm-hmm. is, they have fall, they've gotten really good at that by necessity, mm-hmm. right? Like they don't have a parkour gym. They mm-hmm. don't have like a physical location. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they do like operate out of like a really small facility where they have basically a pop-up uh, one of their little pop-up parks, but for the most part, they've been teaching outside for the last decade or whatever. And um, either they're relying on existing spot or they're doing pop-up setups or they're going to schools or they're, you know, they're doing, so by necessity, they've come up with really great ways to construct parkour setups. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've probably gotten really efficient at doing it, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, so that's like a disadvantage that we have of having a physical space 
is that we haven't had, we haven't, I mean, we just haven't emphasized mm -hmm. putting our resources and, uh, and time towards like building these temporary park where park setups. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's just like a sign of the, the times too, I guess, and just the development of that sort of thing over time. I remember like when like key clamps weren't a thing mm -hmm. and now it's, it's, just, oh yeah, you can just Lego stuff together basically and there you go, it's parkour. Uh, so it's cool to see and I think it's, um, it's uh, something where if, you know, I, uh, if I was talking to someone trying to start a parkour program, uh, I would definitely look to businesses like the, the Movement Creative before even opening a gym because clearly there's ways to make a lucrative business uh, with just just modular equipment that you can pack and, and bring wherever. Without having to pay rent. Yeah, without the, without the overhead <laughs> well, for rent. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they have to store the equipment somewhere, so mm -hmm. I actually don't know where they store it. Well, there was, for a time, Jesse was keeping a lot of it at his house, I remember. There was a time when I went out to New York and he had so much stuff just, just at his house and he has a van. I don't, I don't know what the situation is now, but. But he has the space for it, so like what, mm -hmm. if, what if he didn't, right? Yeah. So like then he has to figure out a way to store, the, store, store all of the, the pipe and the, the, those big wooden blocks mm -hmm. and, and so on. Um, but still, yeah, I mean, it's like still probably cheaper than renting mm -hmm. uh, a you know, 10,000 square foot space or however big. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of want to come back to talking about uh, Move NYC, but I want to do it by talking about the next event and then, and then going back. Because we think about it like there's two festivals or two jams, right? It's like, I guess you could call Move NYC, like you said, Movement Festival. You know, it's not just a parkour jam, but it, it still is a parkour jam. You know, just like, just like this uh, coming week, there's going to be like Oslo Movement Gathering. Right. It's called a gathering, but yeah, it's, it's a parkour jam. It's just that it's developed over the years to be like much more than that. The same as Hubble um, has, has over the years, which was the, where we went the following weekend uh, in Boston. And Hubble uh, this year, and I, I don't know if they do this every year, had a film festival. Um, and it was cool because the film festival wasn't just like a projector in a gym. It was actually in a theater. Um, and so that was that was really cool, and they had um, one day at one of their like amazing spots, uh, Josiah uh, Quincy School. Yep. <laughs> they uh, they had a uh, try to do like a speed course outside. So so it's just like another example of of like more than just like we're just going to meet up at spots and do parkour. There was some of that, uh, but it's like the idea of a. Uh, well, there's still a lot of that actually. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like I, I don't. I'm I'm kind of torn because like I'm wondering if if this is like the right move for parkour. If if it should be going the direction of like jams can't just be like if you're trying to get a lot of people together, it can't just be like let's go to a spot. It has to have these other things um, because I think some people are just are missing. Like I just came out to this to to jump around and vibe with people. I'm not really into the other things. I don't know. I'd I'd, lo I'd love to get like. A consensus of of what is like valued by like the average parkour enthusiast right now. Well, this is yeah, this is a great question because you know there's okay. 
how do I, how am I going to frame this? Okay, so there is like the larger parkour, com parkour community who are cultural practitioners who got into parkour in some fashion and they like meeting up with friends and training and getting clips or not getting clips, just training. And then there's also, um, there's also a, another subset of parkour people who are primarily like gym goers and like take classes or like part, parts of uh, like the movement creatives community, you know, class, like people who are taking classes through them or people who take classes through Origins and maybe don't meet up with or do parkour cult as culturally as we would say. Um, and so I think of like the Movement Creatives event, uh, Move NYC, as being trying to bring both of those groups together, mm. where it's a big parkour jam where culturally pra practicing parkour people are coming together and jamming, and maybe taking a workshop here or there, and then other people who are more like student-based, like focused on taking classes, coming in for the workshops, and then maybe doing a little bit of jamming. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like trying to mesh those two groups together, uh, which I find is positive. Um, but like a jam like Hubble, I think is largely the more cultural practitioners coming together and jamming. Now, having other activities happening alongside it isn't a bad thing. In fact, I think it's, it's good, it adds to the event, and it's also like not mandatory. Like the first, the first day was a gym jam, mm -hmm. and there wasn't really any other activities happening other than um, Rachel Goff did like a women's workshop right before it, and then it was a jam for a few hours, and then that's the end. And then the second day was a jam at Pierce, another school, and then after that jam, there was a uh, the the screening or the um, the film festival, which was optional, right? Mm. Like it's part of the jam, but you don't mm. have to go to it, and it's a separate cost or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, Pierce or not Pierce, I already said Pierce, Josiah Quincy, big jam, optional speed course thing, but that started like a couple hours into the jam, mm -hmm. um, and then. So it's like, yeah, I mean, some people were like jamming a bit and then they're like, cool, I want to do the speed course. Um, others, like you and myself, mm -hmm. were like, I'm more into just doing the jam right now. I don't really feel like doing the speed course right now. Mm -hmm. um, not that I don't like speed course, I actually do like speed courses, but I wasn't, wasn't feeling the speed course at, at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so I like the idea of having these other optional things going on as like, whether it's Move NYC having the, the workshops mm -hmm. as an optional thing that you can kind of like start to, you can take part in that and also take part in the jam. Same thing with Hubble, like you can go to the, the film festival if that piques your fancy or you could not and just go to the jamming parts or you could do the speed course or you could just do the jams. Mm -hmm. So. I think there's a lot of value to having those as options because it provides more value to the gym as long as it's not like, like if it's a fully, like this is what I don't like is if it's a fully structured gym where mm. it's like, first we're doing this for an hour, then we're going to do this for an mm. hour. Everybody has to stop doing the first thing and then we're doing the second thing and then we're doing mm. the third thing. And so that's where I don't like it. 
Um, but I think Hubbable did it well, where it's like pretty open, mm -hmm. and there are fun things that you can do on, uh, in addition. Same thing with Move NYC, right? Like yeah. you can do the workshops, or you could just jam the whole time, or you could just go downstairs and go train at Scoops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, it's basically like the, I, I think you're, you're on the right uh, track there, where it's like the, the best way to do it seems like to have, have a jam, that's just a jam. Maybe it still has to cost a little bit. Maybe it doesn't. And then at the same time, there's like activations happening that are optional. Because uh, I do think I've made the mistake in the past with planning things like PKBC where it's just too rigid uh, with, with the times. Um, but it's because I've been trying to like fit in like other things like, oh, this will add value to it. This will add value to it. But um, yeah, this year, it is going to happen this year. <laughs> uh, I'm actually looking at, uh, for those of you in the Vancouver, British Columbia area, uh, PKBC is going to be the final weekend of September, um, which is September 30th and October 1st. It'll probably be like the 29th, 30th and 1st. Sweet. Yeah. Should be fun? It will be. Yes. Um, yeah, so did, I mean, I, I, want to, I would like to talk a little bit about the film festival. Okay. Um, which I found to be mostly very enjoyable. Uh, I thought it was a little bit too long. I think it was like three hours, mm -hmm. which is like a long time to be sitting in a very, very warm theater. <laughs> with very uncomfortable. It was. A, I was not sitting in one of the theater chairs either. You were. You. You weren't either. We yeah. were sitting on like these kind of uncomfortable plastic chairs, <laughs> um, and I kept trying to like readjust. But uh, so it, it was a bit long. But overall, I thought it was a really, really cool thing because. Most of the time when I watch parkour videos, I watch it by myself or mm -hmm. maybe with like another person. Mm -hmm. But there's something to reacting yeah. to cool stuff happening with a group of people who all get it, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, for example, when Seth's video came up and every clip was a banger clip, it was mm -hmm. like everyone in the theater is like, oh, what? So that was such a cool feeling to be like part of that and part of the group doing that. And so if I had watched his video by myself on my phone, it wouldn't have had nearly the impact it had watching it in the theater. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to, to your point there, it is, it is like watching comedy. It's like watching a, a, a comedy movie or a stand-up thing. If, if you're watching comedy by yourself, there may be something that's like the funniest thing you've heard in a long time and you'll, you'll actually crack a laugh, like an audible, like an actual laugh out loud, you know, when you say someone hell up. But if you're watching with other people, it's, you're, you're laughing and you're looking next to you to see if the other person, you know, yeah. like trying to share the experience. And it's, it's always interesting how, um, having that just like brings it out like you you emote more when you're around other people and, and yeah like you said it's, it definitely it's, elevates the experience yeah it's it's um it's cool doing that with um with parkour videos essentially uh and i think if you were to send me like a playlist i would you know maybe not even get around to watching you know what's what's on there uh, as you said it was mostly enjoyable i think the the growth of uh parkour film festivals 
we we talked about uh, this with um, the Commons uh, guys that if if you're going to do it like continuously over time, there there does need to be a, a certain cutoff where there's a, a quality that needs to be upheld with each submission. But given that they haven't been doing this for a long time, this is and and I think it also highlighted that more because it was in a theater, right? And so you're like expecting a bit more. And I, I think people just need like more time. And so if you're gonna do like a big film festival, there needs to be, you know, like probably a, an eight month lead up or something. And then the there needs to be a cutoff time that's maybe like even a couple months out, so that if someone submits something and it's like almost good enough, they can actually, you know, if if I guess if you're of the mind where you don't wanna uh, exclude submissions, you could just get back to them and be like, hey, this needs to be shorter. People aren't gonna be able to sit through the whole thing, you know, be able to provide some criticism and then a, and then a resubmission. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I would say like some of, some of the submissions were a bit like long and drawn out and not particularly exciting or enjoyable to watch. But there were many that you know that were really mm -hmm. good, and it was it was fun to watch. But it also made for a quite a long time sitting there, like three hours, mm -hmm. too long for me to sit and want to watch parkour videos. Yeah, um, and especially when not all of them are as awesome as some of them were. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I. I, I'm I'm really loving what the Commons is doing, and they're mm. kind of like really pushing for, um, they're really pushing for more, I guess, long form mm -hmm. video content that's outside of the Instagram platform, mm -hmm. because that really is what I'd like to see more of. And I, mm -hmm. I think there's a general movement in parkour, not just from the Commons, but um, with like store like doing um, best video of the year or whatever, uh, there, there's a movement towards more long form artistic like parkour videos uh, that are, uh, you know, in, which is a reaction against the constant short form parkour that we've had mm -hmm. for the last uh, five plus years. Mm -hmm. How long have we been seeing Instagram videos for? I don't know, it's been a long time actually longer than five years. Um, but actually today, as of today, which is actually Wednesday, um, this is probably coming out a few days later, but mm -hmm. uh, the Commons just launched their website, which uh, has one video on it, um, and their whole thing is they're making a video platform. So it's a website that's a platform for parkour videos to live that's outside of Instagram or YouTube, and they're actually trying to pay parkour athletes and creators to um, make content for their website. And their first release is a free release, which is Connor Pennington's video. Um, I don't know what it's called, actually. It's a black and white video, it's cool. It's like he he's like he's from Western Massachusetts, so he went home and like shot it all by himself and just did a bunch of stuff in like a couple days. Mm -hmm. And like it does some like pretty gnarly stuff. Yeah, particularly for it being shot over the course of like a couple of days and, and, by and, himself. and solo. Yeah, so, solo. So you gotta do like a lot of, a lot of, uh, maybe not planning, but like knowing like, okay, this is where the shot's gonna be. I need to get like another angle and then having an idea of like how you're going to edit it after the fact so that in post, it's not just like still shot, still shot, still shot. 
It's like he's like the, the Bo Burnham of parkour. <laughs> um, he made us some content. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, you should go check out their website. It is uh, the Commons. I don't know what it's. I don't know what their mm-hmm. website is actually. Oh no! I'm trying to help let's you. See. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Is it the Commons? The Commons dot Boston. Is that right? Yeah, thecommons.boston. That's easy to remember. I didn't know you could... Uh, I didn't either. That's why I was like, there's no way. And then you can I dot guess Boston something. Um, can I dot Vancouver or whatever? Oh, okay. So Connor's video is called 413, which I, I'm assuming is the area code for where he was from. Um, yeah, so they're going to have like parkour content. I think they're going to have like blog posts and stuff on there. It's a soft launch, so it's not like completely done. But it sounds like, uh, so, well, not sounds like, they are going to be releasing some free content, but also some paid content. So I know there, there's a video coming from uh, North, which is a group of uh, athletes and creatives from uh, Minnesota. Yep, uh, Minneapolis area. I am just totally going to believe you on this right now. They're from from there, which is so it's like uh, so it's Noah and Ethan, and then there's a I, I think there's a couple other guys that I'm not familiar uh, with, but they're coming out with a, a video that I believe is going to be a um, a paid film, and then they're also commissioning some other parkour athletes and creators to make films to be put on their website, and again, this is going to live outside of YouTube. So it's a cool mission. I don't know if it's going to be successful. I'm kind of hopeful that it is because it would mm-hmm. be cool to, uh, to see something like that take off and um, see the world of parkour value mm-hmm. uh, content a little bit more uh, instead of just kind of like the cheap, easy content like Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do you have any thoughts about this? I have a slightly unpopular opinion. Ooh, here, oh, let's hear it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Always, always good to have those. Um, so it, it it has to do around with uh, the. So we have, and I need I need last name help here. David, Ehrlich, Ehrlich, and Alec, not Baldwin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, his name is uh, Alec. Alec Rickbick. Rickbick. <laughs> no wait, what's his last name? That's actually his last name. <laughs> All right. While well, you're looking up that, um, so they they've come out. They've they've Reducer, Reducer. <laughs> okay. Alec David Reducher. David Ehrlich, Alec Reducer. They have come out. They are the comments. Uh, they have put out a video, which I'm actually sure, like a lot of people have seen. They're they're doing a really good job of uh, pushing the brand out early before before the release. They had some uh, showing on MoveMag. They they showed the same. Uh, like documentary about the commons at uh, both Move NYC and at Hubble. And so if you haven't heard about them yet, you're probably living under a rock because I, I think they've done a, a great job of, of actually getting the word out uh, there about what they're doing and about the website uh, being developed. So the, the thing that stuck, that struck me about it is that it's going to be entirely funded by themselves. So they're relying off of like their own income from other things to 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 fund this. Yeah, they both and have full time jobs outside of parkour. 
And so mm-hmm. um, they're, they're just like, this is a passion project that they're funding, and they're mm-hmm. saying that they don't want to make any money off of it, or at least yeah. in, the, in terms of the short-term future. Yeah, and, I, and I, that, that's essentially where my, my opinion um, comes, in, comes into play. Because uh, while that all sounds like, like well and good, I, I do think I would, as, as someone that's like going to like invest in it, and you know, want to want to see it go through. It actually would sound better to me if they were trying to make a profit, uh, which usually sounds why I say it's unpopular. It usually sounds weird to to parkour in general. Uh, but so, but my I, this is just to just to make my argument here why I think it's important for them to try to make profit at least eventually to to be the eventual goal to make profit uh, is it adds motivation. To it, whereas if they're not trying to make profit, or if they're just relying on like, oh, we can just kind of keep doing this because we enjoy it, what happens if they don't enjoy it at a certain point? What you know is is kind of what I'm leaning towards. And so, if you're starting a business, which is it, even if it's a not-for-profit business, what it ultimately still is a business. Um, if the business has the aim of 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 profit, um, or if even better, if the uh, uh, owners of said business, if their like livelihood depends on it, to to some extent, it would um, be more make more sense that it's it's going to have reason to to improve and get better better over time. Um, I, I like to I can use the example of like SPL for this as well, right? So uh, all of us who are involved in SPL in terms of the like ownership of it, it's not actually our full. It, it is also kind of a passion project. We would like it to make more money, and, and it is for Are you profit. making money from it? <laughs> but but it is it is generally like a passion project, and I've I've actually made this example before in meetings and in like talking to you where I said like you know if this was the only thing we were doing, it would be better. If, if, if SPL was the only thing that we were doing, it would be better because we would be forced to make it better. If, if we were depending on it to like make, make ends meet, for example, we'd be forced to make it better. So I'm not out here trying you to say to that- You want to quit our day jobs and then just focus 100p If I had, um, <laughs> if I was living I feel like if we at could. my parents still, uh, at my mom's, like if I was living with well, my mom and I didn't, you know, have rent to pay and stuff, you know, that might be an option. Here's the thing: <laughs> if we quit our day jobs, then there is no SPL. It's true. There's no anyway. The venue. I'm, but, okay, but, so but, bring but, it back I, to the comments. I just, yeah, I, I just want to finish up the um, the the point here about it. So um, I'm not to say that it's it's going to fail. Um, in fact, I, I don't think it will. I think they're going to be able to, to keep doing it. I would just feel a little bit better about it if there was a goal to actually turn profit for the commons itself. The, I hear you, and I don't disagree. The words that they use are basically, I'll paraphrase. Um, so David, David and Alec were saying that they have um, full-time jobs outside of parkour, mm-hmm. and so they don't see the commons as a uh, as needing to be profitable for them for the foreseeable future. And so I actually interpret this as like for the first while, they're not expecting to make any return out of this and they don't need to because mm-hmm. they're actually like doing okay outside of the commons. But I think, and I agree with you, I think I would prefer them 
to seek a profit eventually once they are mm -hmm. actually making, once the commons does become a more successful video platform, um, if and when that happens. So, so yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I thought the same exact thing both times when they gave their little talk at um, MoveNYC and Hubble, I was thinking the same thing in that it sounds really good because it's like, yeah, you're charging people money for these videos so that you can pay the creators of the videos. Mm -hmm. And that sounds great, and I love that. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, they are going to run into roadblocks where it feels more like work than it does like fun. And it's at that point where they're gonna, they're gonna be testing their resolve of if they actually wanna stick with this passion project or if they wanna quit yeah. and either dissolve the commons or hand it off to somebody else to mm -hmm. do. So ultimately it needs, to be, it needs to be at least in their mission to eventually make uh, a profit so that at the very least they just reinvest it back into the business, mm -hmm. if not like put it in their own pockets. Yeah, it's like uh, the idea of like profit where like a founder of something making profit and even if they're taking it out of the business to put in their own bank account, uh, in most cases, they end up using that money to do more business. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, so, you know, a lot of the times when you, when you, make, when you, when you own a business and, you, and you, you're making good money out of it, you're not putting that into your own bank account so that you can buy more cool stuff. Although that yeah, could it happen, does, it does. It does happen. That, that is happen. part of it. Yeah. But, but like when you when you take money out of a business, you owe more in taxes. Mm -hmm. So like if you don't really need the money, oftentimes it's better to just keep it in your business and grow the business so that the business makes more money, so that down the line in the future you can pull more money out. Mm -hmm. So it's like the commons, the the those guys, they don't need money from the comments because mm -hmm. they're doing fine financially from their full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. um, but if, if they want the commons as an organization to be successful business or to be successful, they should be trying to aim to not just dish, not just put money out into the, or like towards creators, but to like actually have like mm -hmm. a, cash reserve yeah. for things like building a website or like maintaining mm -hmm. a website or doing various things that they plan to do. Yeah. There was like a, a point where I asked them like a tough question, which was, you know, are you paying your uh, creators up front or are you, or are they receiving funds after the fact? And they, they, they said they hadn't actually figured that out yet entirely. So it's like, I guess it's going to be, yeah, it sounds or, like they were doing a little bit of some a and a little bit of yeah. the other. Yeah. I don't want to put words in their mouth in terms of like, you know, maybe they didn't figure it out yet, but that was, that was kind of the vibe I got was like, okay, we're still, we're well, still figuring this out. We have some idea. But, but I mean, like anything, they're mm -hmm. early in the process and they're mm -hmm. going to go through a learning experience and, you know, their first projects might actually fail. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, that's going to test the resolve to see if they can continue like, pushing through and then make it a, into a successful endeavor. And I'm hopeful, right? Yeah. I'm hopeful that they, they will. Mm -hmm. um, and whether they have to learn things the easy way or the hard way, you know, that that remains to be seen. We'll see. I mean, they, they launched their website, so that's it's cool that that's finally up. Mm -hmm. um, and I like that they, this is actually a big thing for me is the very first video that they have up is a free video. Mm -hmm. 
and I was actually very concerned that they were going to release um, their first video as being a, a paid, like paid content, mm -hmm. and it's that's a um, that's a problematic kind of way of doing business because you need to have a proven you need to have a proof of concept that people actually want to watch your content. Yeah. So when you put out a piece of content that's behind a paywall, nobody's going to buy it, or at least few people will buy it because you don't they don't know that you are good at what you do yet. Mm -hmm. It's why store is able to like monetize whenever they want to because they have a proven track record of creating content that people want to watch. And they did that for free for a really long time before turning on that faucet of monetization. Um, and so this is what I'm, I'm hopeful that the, the commons will do is that they will be putting out free content that people will be excited to watch. And then when they want to turn on the monetization paywall, they can, they can do it and people will, will buy it. This is actually like... Um, the example, I think, a perfect example of a brand that can turn on monetization now after um, after like the last few uh, projects that, they, that they've done is Capstone. Mm. Because after Capstone Swarm, and honestly, the other two Capstones as well, nobody wants to miss the next Capstone. Mm -hmm. So... You don't want to miss the next capstone. You're going to pay for the next one mm -hmm. as long as it's like reasonably priced. And so I think they've done a really good job of creating video content that people must see. And because of that, then they gave it away for free. And so because of that, now, because you must see it, you're going to be willing to pay five, 10, 15, 20 yeah. bucks to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just wanted to, the last thing I wanted to say about this is that, that I am like a supporter of it. I will be um, purchasing videos from the commons, I'm sure, in the, in the future. Um, and it's actually something where I, I remember years ago I was, I was in a car with, um, I think Kai Willis was in the car, um, perhaps some other like notable parkour industry heads at the time. And one of the questions like just in the car ride was like, if you had a million dollars to invest in parkour, like what would you do with it? And I actually, at the time said like a, some sort of like parkour streaming platform was what, what I thought, like if I had a lot of money, because knowing that you would need to lose a lot in order to make it a success, like you would need to put out a lot of stuff for free. So um, uh, it does seem like uh, David and Alec are willing to lose some in order to, you know, um, not gain some for themselves, but like gain some for the, um, uh, the actual creators, so it seems like they're willing to, you know, pay ahead some creators to get some content going, lose some, and then, um, you know, eventually be able to make it where like the actual uh, content creators are are gaining off of it. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a cool idea, and um, I am actually as, as much as I was critical of the moment ago, I am looking forward to to seeing what uh, what comes of it. Yeah. I mean, again, they're so early now. They just launched your website. We'll mm -hmm. see. I mean, like, um, their their first they haven't even released their first paid content yet. So, uh, hopefully, 
hopefully we'll get a date actually when, when we'll actually be able to, to watch some of their paid content. But for now, you can watch Connor's video, which is up for free, thecommons.boston. Do we have anything else to talk about today? There was like a recent, um, <clears throat> how much time we got? There, there was a, <laughs> there was a recent uh, uh, social media video shared. Um, I don't oh, know if we yes. want to touch on it. Maybe, maybe just quickly because it is, I think, okay. something that some of our listeners might be curious to hear our take on. Uh, but it is um, Jimmy the Giant, who has uh, also known as Kieran Owen, who has uh, left parkour to some extent, or at least stopped practicing himself. He got LASIK too, I think. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and that happened. Uh, anyways, uh, I, I have not seen the full video, so like we can only comment on on what has been shown in the context it's been shown. I haven't taken the time to look at what uh, he's actually said, but there is a video that that uh, was cut up by Costa Krunik, uh, whose uh, hand one of his handles on Instagram is about parkour, and it, it basically is is uh, Jim the Giant. Uh, himself saying that parkour is 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 bad for your body. He says uh, it's really dangerous. It's really bad for your body. Mm -hmm. Maybe the worst yeah. sport for your body. So if we can first, I'm going to get you to first comment on what um, that that statement <laughs> from Jim the Giant, and then um, maybe we can comment on the rebuttal from uh, Costa. Okay, so. I mean, it's pretty obvious that parkour is not the worst sport for your body because there are other sports that are out there that are very mainstream or even non-mainstream that are super duper dangerous and bad for your body. Um, so for, we can, for we can, basic, we can mention, men, mention a couple here. Basic example, I'll just, I mean, I don't even need, need to mention a couple. I'm gonna, just going to mention American football. Yeah. I was going to say combat sports in general. Combat where the, sports. Where you're trying to do damage to your opponent. That's the goal. Yeah, yeah. MMA, American football. Um, I don't know. I probably even uh, like some of the lifestyle sports, like skateboarding or uh, like surfing, is actually pretty uh, pretty like light on your body unless you get hit by a massive wave and you can die. So like. <laughs> Super dangerous sport if you're uh, starting to tackle bigger and bigger waves. So it's like, I don't know, you can take any sport and you scale it, and the higher up the scale you go, the more dangerous it is. And parkour doesn't, like, yes, it's dangerous, and, and I actually am not denying that. In fact, Renee made a great video essay about this, about how parkour is dangerous. If you go back in our uh, YouTube channel history, you can find it. Um, but yes, parkour is dangerous, but is it the worst for your body? Absolutely not. And in fact, it's probably healthy for most people to try. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with that, and I think I can, uh, uh, just, just, just to your point there, yeah, it is. Um, it's something that I think we're actively promoting as a, as a way of fitness, as an alternative way of fitness, because you have things like CrossFit, where, again, you take CrossFit to scale, and it gets crazy dangerous for and, and risky to... To, to be doing, um, but just as like a, a holistic fitness practice for someone to do, it's great. And so is and so is parkour because you get to use your 
entire body <laughs> to do it. You get to jump, you get to climb, you get to do all these like locomotor patterns, if you will, all that you're supposed to do. All the fundamental locomotor patterns. Yeah. Um, so, there's, and there's elements of risk, and navigating risk is a healthy experience. Yeah, yeah. Probably, probably great for your brain also. So I, I actually, there's a point I was um, you know, making to you that uh, is a uh, video that I have yet to fully script, but um, I think in some ways parkour can be anti-aging because of some of it when we're taking it just as a just as a as a practice not necessarily as something that you are trying to pursue to do at the highest level so then we have uh, uh costa krunek who comes up with his his rebuttal um and some of the things he's saying are that if you practice um i'll just kind of bullet point really quick um okay. some of the things here but uh if you practice parkour appropriately or properly for yourself it's um you know it's it's, it's, it's fine to do. You can't just simply go out and just start jumping at walls. Um, there needs to be a variety of, of practices such as strength and conditioning, such as warming up, such as knowing your limits um, and having the correct ways of like approaching challenges. And he also mentions that, you know, there's um, the founders of the sport are still are still going strong. So um, what is your like? Do you do you agree with most of what he's saying there, or um, is there is there also kind of I guess like fault in in that sort of theory? Uh, the the term. I mean, I read on a forum a really long time ago. So if you don't know, back in the day, we used to live parkour people used to live on forums, and I think it was either. It was either the American Parkour Forum or the Parkour North America Forum, PKNA. Mm -hmm. I remember. So Renee was on that. I remember. And I remember somebody was saying like, well, if you train properly, it will, you know, something along those lines. And Renee's, Renee's comment on this before I knew him was something along the lines of like, please tell me what this proper training is. Uh, very sarcastically, obviously. Um, because the term proper training doesn't really convey anything because you can deem anything proper training if you, uh, if you just say that it's approved. So like I can be like, well, that's a, that's proper training right there. Oh, that's not proper training. Don't do that. But it could be somebody doing the same exact thing and it's out of any kind of context to tell you like what is or what that person is or isn't doing. So the term proper as in in the in the the context here is that it's not descriptive enough now he does go into explaining that there are th things that make up proper training such as like including a warm up some type of strength and conditioning managing training load and um uh, like knowing your limits, I, I suppose, which are which is loosely defining what proper training is. Um, but knowing any one of those things is really difficult to do. If like for anybody to do in parkour, so we, like even if you're going and you're taking a parkour class at a parkour facility or at a parkour uh, um, in some type of, like you're learning from a parkour coach, whether outside or indoors, uh, managing training load is not always going to be perfectly individualized to you. So I guess the, the issue I have here is like, 
like, no one in parkour is managing their training load or training properly because everyone is just kind of making it up as yeah. they go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I think I had, I've had, you know, two rude awakenings to maybe to training load, you know, and it's, it's like a who knows thing. Like, you know, you get injured and I, I think it's an important part of the injury recovery process to, to maybe have a little bit of delusion and come up with like reasons, um, particularly for things that you can improve upon because it gives you something to do. And it also gives you confidence going back in like, I'm not going to make those mistakes again. So I think it is important to, to come up with reasons, but, but the reality is that like you could, you know, something could happen 10,000 times and then, and then one time it goes, like there's, you know, freak accidents happen. Um, but one of the things that I have kind of turned to is like, yeah, I've spent a lot of time having uh, too much volume in training sessions, too many jumps, too many impacts, um, and it, uh, it does take its toll. But I, I spent a lot of time, particularly before like tearing my Achilles when I was 29 years old, thinking that I was the fittest and healthiest like being around, you know, just, just walking around with um, this, this idea that, that I was just going to live forever and do parkour forever because at, up until that point, nothing, I had had like minor pains and things like that, but no major injuries and I thought I was doing parkour properly. I thought I was doing like all the right things. And actually that, that, that ego alone is actually what um, momentarily brought me to tears when I tore my Achilles. Um, I actually remember like pretty vividly like the moment it happened and realizing what it meant. And as soon as like no one was around, like it was actually um, Jackson Wong who still works here, um, <laughs> who um, like ran to go get me like an ice pack and I was alone for a moment and I like started to cry and then I had to like work myself out of it because it was like, it was like shedding the ego of, of that um, I wasn't perfect anymore, basically, mm -hmm. um, up until that point. So that was kind of wild. And I think just having that attitude of like, oh, I'm doing everything properly is, is not, it's not a great attitude to have, um, unfortunately. And I'm not saying that's what like cost is saying, but that's just like a little bit of like some of the, the growing process that I had to have around um, parkour as like a healthy thing. I guess to do and like doing it properly, and the, the reality that I that I came to is that I've and, and continue to um, practice parkour for for performance, and that might come to an end at some point. Um, but I'm still like I'm still you know we're having sessions where it's like we're trying to improve our jump, we're trying to do we're trying to strength train. We're not just doing it as a means of like injury prevention. We're trying to get a result of like a greater outputs, and I'm trying to improve like my my mental fortitude, and I'm trying to do all these things to get um, greater results. And and like I said, there there may come a time, probably not, but there may come a time where where that's not how I want to do parkour anymore. Um, but until that comes, it's, I'm still kind of playing this game of risk and I'm just trying to trying to mitigate it as much as I can. So it's like, I'm trying to make these uh, improvements, but when you're training for performance, that is the, the game that you're always playing. And it is, it is a risky game. Um, and that's, that's in any sport. So back to what you were saying about like what Jimmy the giant said about, um, you know, it being the, the worst sport to do, I could make the same claim about, um, the other type of football, <laughs> about soccer, where if you are trying to play something at the highest level, the training alone that goes into trying to do something at the highest level or trying to get as much out of yourself as you can is inherently risky. 
that's and that is that is all I have to say about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, yeah. It, I thought it was interesting. We were playing this. Uh, it was not really a game. It's kind of just like a, it's the like what was it? We're not really strangers. Game. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, you know, you read a card, and it's kind of like really like deep questions that you ask of like the people who are in it. And one of the th one of the questions was, "What's the worst thing that ever happened to you? That was the best thing that ever happened to you, or something like worded mm -hmm. like that." And you said, "When you tore your Achilles." Yeah. And it was this because I think it was largely an an eye opening moment, and it kind of made you and ultimately coming back from the injury made you even better than yeah, before. It, it motivated me too. Like it was um it was a motivator. It was like, okay, I'm not I'm not living this life I thought I was living, um, but this is something I can recover from and I can I can still get better. And so it was like just like proving that to myself was yeah. was really motivating. Uh but but you're an example of somebody who is very structured in their training. And so like you said, you're you were you thought you were proper, you were training properly mm -hmm. um and so you're the type of person who's like considering you know you warm up you consider training load you're you know mostly training within your limits or like doing things in a controlled fashion and so uh, like even though you have all these factors that you have in your mind or you're even documenting on your notebook um you can still succumb to an injury like this and so um to counter Costa's point is that I actually love what he's doing, and I love that he made this 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 real because mm -hmm. it's a it's an important topic, and he needs and there needs to be a rebuttal for wholesale statements that Jimmy is making about parkour being mm -hmm. one of the worst <laughs> sports for your body, mm -hmm. um, it, which is just like blat blatantly false. Mm -hmm. um, but I think he goes kind of a little bit too far in the opposite direction of just saying like, well, there's this thing called proper training that you can do where you never get injured and you live a pristinely healthy life despite trying to do jumps that are potentially risky, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's kind of a mistake. And then the, the final point that I think you wanted to address here was how he said that the founders are still going strong. Mm. Well, do we really know that? Mm. Because like the only two founders that I still, or actually three founders that I still see like practicing are um, Laurent Piamatesi, mm -hmm. and he's basically only doing handstand stuff mm -hmm. and like thousand squats. air squats, mm -hmm. you know, so like, and I love that he still has a physical practice and he's still moving, but would mm -hmm. I consider him still going strong? I, no, he's, he's older, he's still physically moving his body, which is good. A lot of people in other sports have healthy lifestyles well into their 50s, 60s, 70s, mm -hmm. maybe 80s, you know? Um, so, so, like, it's great that he has a physical practice, but is he still doing hench jumps? No, like, mm -hmm. is he still doing, is he still pushing his limit? Is he still like redlining to get that little bit of extra out of himself? I don't mm -hmm. think he is. The other two are um, Sebastian, mm -hmm. who is, again, still physically active, still has a practice, but at one point he actually stopped doing parkour because he was like too 
uh, stressed. He like came, he was doing the Madonna tour and he mm-hmm. was doing parkour every day for a month or whatever, and was just wrecked. His body was wrecked and he needed to recover and he just stopped doing parkour and then eventually came back into it and is having fun with it again. Mm-hmm. But um, but he's also nowhere near like the level of many other people. Even close to his age, I mean, you think about like like somebody like Bo, yeah, or Bo. like <laughs> Bo Kendall is just <laughs> yeah, Bo or like I don't know. There's like others who are like in their fifties or and and like are like arguably more skilled, more physically capable than mm-hmm. Sebastian is. And then uh, the last one is Williams, mm-hmm. uh, Williams Bell, and he is uh, he was like the youngest of the founders, mm-hmm. but. He's um, he's also he's the one who's doing the most like cool like big parkour stuff, and he mm. seems to be going strong. So he's like the only one mm. that I think actually lives up to what Costa Krunic was saying, which was the founders are still going strong. Well, it seems like Williams is the only one. Yeah, and Williams too. Like he he I would say took a large break to do a different type of practice. Yeah, like the the Williams Bell method. Yeah, you know, which was very climbing based, not um, low not, impact you know. climbing based. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and that's great too. And like I said, like I think parkour instills in you a mindset of continuing a healthy lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. I, I view the world differently through parkour. If I wasn't doing, if I stopped doing parkour tomorrow, I would still live a phys- physically active lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I would probably, I would go to Lynn Canyon, climb around on the rocks, I'd swim in the cold water, I'd bike mm-hmm. around the city, I would ski, I, you know, I would do things physically active that were, um, that I found to be enjoyable. And it was all ignited from parkour. And mm-hmm. so, it's to, but yeah, I don't know. It, 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 I think that, um, I think that this is a great conversation to have. And I, like I said, I like what Costa said in the video overall because it's rebutting Jimmy's or Kieran's perspective mm-hmm. on like parkour being super dangerous for your body and not healthy. Um, but there also needs to be some realism brought in, which is that parkour absolutely can be dangerous and it can take a toll on your body, but that doesn't negate the positive impact that it has. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to say about this, uh, is just going back to, cause I agree with everything there. And I think that's, um, what you said about Costa and everything. Uh, but just going back to, Kieran, the Jimmy Giant Owen uh, character, who at one point was like, I think a lot of people were viewing, but particularly when he came out with that that documentary about EZ, which was really what pushed him to having like any amount of following or anything, was like his first piece, uh, made him kind of like this saving grace of parkour. And then that's like very quickly like went away with like subsequent videos because he was, favoring like telling a story versus like getting facts right about a lot of things and that um you know you got to do a little bit of that for um for filmmaking particularly if you're trying to make like interesting video essays or vlogs um but it was rubbing people the wrong way as it as it should uh and then he just started doing less and less parkour content and so he went from like this again the saving grace of parkour to now like parkour is your enemy and you're gonna 
you're gonna talk shit about it. So to, to be fair, we didn't watch the video. Mm, that's true. And yeah. it does sound mm. it like from from uh, from some of the comments that I saw, like people mm -hmm. were saying that like, you know, it sounds like he really loves doing parkour, and mm -hmm. he's just upset that his body's kind of falling apart on him mm -hmm. as a result of doing parkour. Um, but maybe if he tried practicing parkour properly, that. <laughs> That well, it's change. interesting too because like he started working out, you know, um, yeah. seemingly a lot of it's bodybuilding, um, which you know, can can be healthy as well. Um, if you know, unless you're actually trying to go on stage and be a bodybuilder, then that's totally not healthy. But just you know, lifting weights and you know, hitting all body parts and stuff, not a bad thing to do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't know, maybe maybe he'll come back to it. You know, maybe he'll 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 miss it and come back. But it but it does it just does it is unfortunate to see that. Uh, where again, a guy who I, I think in many people's eyes and particularly like a lot of youth around parkour was like parkour's saving grace and people were getting excited about it because there were people following his channel that didn't do parkour and he was, he was telling the stories. He was putting parkour into context and, and I think a lot of credit should be actually given to what he started off doing there. And it's, um, I think it's unfortunate that he didn't stick with that niche long enough he, um, he branched out, which is what you actually should do in business is you can't stick in, if you want to scale more. So if he wants to get more of a following, he can't stay in the niche forever. But um, it kind of sucks that he didn't stay in the niche for longer and um, seemingly is like done with parkour, um, both both personally and through like covering it. He seems, he seems like he found other interests and he potentially has a social group outside of parkour now, which mm. is good for him. Um, but it's also, uh, he needs to be called out anytime he's talking about parkour now because he doesn't mm -hmm. train properly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm also wondering like, you know, there's, there's a, there's a void to be filled there and I'm wondering who is going to, um, fill that void. Cause I, I don't think anyone who's like, I think of, uh, you know, like point A is, is, a um, Max Henry, who's trying to tell parkour stories, but just not do, like the way that that Kieran was doing it, um, I think was uh, he was he's very talented in it. Um, I think he is actually like a great storyteller, and um, I don't know who is going to fill those shoes. Um, but so someone he, someone needs to. So the the issue I think with most people in parkour is they 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 aren't getting into the game of YouTube, and I mm -hmm. think that's what Jimmy the Giant did was he got into the game of YouTube, and he mm -hmm. wanted to play that game. Yeah. And because he wanted to play that game, that's why he be, he was able to make successful videos about parkour. And then ultimately, the reason, by being in the game of YouTube, he realized quickly parkour isn't the only way to do it. In fact, he's probably better off making making sure he can he can cover other topics as well because that's ultimately like how he'll never run out of topics to talk about. You're not wrong. We somehow still made a an episode today. <laughs> we didn't run out of topics. Hey, never run out of topics. Um, okay, I think uh, I think that's that's all uh, I've got in my uh, brain today <laughs> to talk about. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like this video, please like and uh, subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a comment below um, about something. We do read every single comment. It's true. We had some. Uh, met a couple of our uh, commenters recently, 
and they were at least one of them not not pleased that we don't respond. Um, maybe maybe we can start responding to some comments, but we do read them. Uh, we just don't always respond. Yes. All right, that's the challenge. We'll respond to the the comments on this uh, this STS episode. But leave us leave us a leave us something that we will be easy to comment to. Mm. Or hard, I don't know. Well, I'll take a challenge. Okay, that's all. Fist bump. <laughs>